The time has come to get ready for the 2022 World Cup. And what better way to prepare than by revisiting the World Cup's most amazing goals? I'm Brian Phillips. I'm making a podcast about the history of the Men's World Cup, told through the stories of 22 iconic goals. The show's called 22 Goals. It's out now on the Ringer Podcast Network, and we're having so much fun. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. And present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere, check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Hey, boys. What's up? Howdy. What's going on? How y'all feeling? I'm sick as shit. Yeah, sounds like <laughs> it. Yeah. I woke yeah. up. Yes. I don't you know. That, I woke got up that yesterday. RSV? You got that goop? I got the calls in my mouth right now. No, take it easy. Take it easy. Yeah, I don't know what happened yesterday. I just woke up. Like yeah. with a bad uh, cough, and I was like cold all day. I was getting wrapped around the blanket watching Monday Night no, Football. That's no, that's no good. And then today, no I woke up a little better, but now I just can't. I can't breathe through my nose. Yeah, and uh, I've gone. Like I've a, gone through like uh, three boxes of tissue so far. So Kleenex, get you like listening? a neti pot. Oh, if Kleenex is listening, <laughs> come on through. Yes, we need sir. as many sponsorships as possible on this pod. Yeah, I uh, I always see those uh, those ads with like Doug Flutie and Frank Thomas on them here locally, where it's like, you know, try this and you'll be able to smile and and be you know uh, uh, <laughs> an aggressive man like this five hundred plus home run hitting you know <laughs> superstar or this five foot eight former pro quarterback. <laughs> like like it's always it's always interesting to me. I, it, it took me so long in my life in the industry to realize, oh, this is why all these commercials are on this certain channel. And this is why these commercials are skewed to this channel. You know what I mean? Like you sit down and watch a Lifetime special. And you're like, my God, 
I don't even have a cycle and I want to go get me some of these. Like, you know what I mean? Like, 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 like you just, you hear all the medications that, 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 that are served up to you when you're watching a certain thing. And you're like, my God, like what is happening to the people that are watching this right now? Like you ever watch daytime television and see the commercials? It's, it's pretty much yeah. all. You need to lose weight. You need to go back to school. You're not making enough money. And auto insurance. Right, exactly. And get your bum ass down here so General. you can get some coverage. oh and then they've they've indoctrinated my kid too so like anytime i turn on disney or nick jr anything eighty thousand things are being sold to him he has no concept of money so he's always like hey daddy can we get this and i'm like oh sure because i don't want to feel like a bad dad but then you know you start to think about like hey at what point does this stop like, at what point do I say, no, you can't have any of this and you haven't earned it yet, you know? But he does. He does earn it. We had his first parent teacher conference the other day. That was um, that was interesting. I, I, I can't wait till we get to the point where he stops expecting stuff for good grades. Like, yeah, like your parents did. Oh, <sighs> you can do this now. Okay. Yeah. You set, the, you set the bar, right? You set the bar. Hey, man, anytime I think about it, I just got this report card reminder and, uh, like glossary pretty much that they sent in the mail. Like, this is what this means. And this is what this means. I'm like, Hey, can my shorty read or not? Like, this is, this is kindergarten. Okay. Like I'm not worried. Are you still, about- are you still doing points or like numbers? Cause I remember when I was in elementary school, they, there was no A's or B's. It was like threes and fours. and Yeah. Twos well, and I'm, we're waiting for it. We're, we're still waiting for that, that, that first quarter, you know, report card, but they, they sent out the little precursor pamphlet to let you know, you know, if you see too many of these, maybe your child belongs <laughs> in a different school type of vibe. Right. But I'm like, yeah, man, you know, I, I messed around. I'll never forget. I, uh, first quarter freshman year in high school, this is how bad the transition was for me going from King, Martin Luther King Jr. Laboratory Experimental Schools, my, 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 uh, my alma mater right there in junior high. King that sound like a, sound like a school for the community. Uh, but you know what? <laughs> it, it, it really, I won't say it wasn't. But a lot more of the community went to the other schools in the area. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, shout out to Nichols. If you, if you know what I'm talking about, you know, all my Evanston representatives out here, shout out to Nichols, right? Shoot had a couple, right? That's where uh, Cassidy went. Cassidy went to shoot. Uh, Nichols is where I wanted to go because that's where all my friends are going. And my mom was like, nope, you're going right to this school because they graduate people. I'm like, mom, it's eighth grade. Like, <laughs> we ain't we really out here making any big waves in eighth grade. Like, pretty much all you got to do to pass eighth grade is the Constitution test. Like, if you can get the Constitution test down, you could be just the worst person, the worst child ever and get through uh, junior high school. But I lived right across the street from Evanston Township High School which was the school that I attended. I lived across the street. And first period was tough. It was a, my, my school is like four blocks long, too, by the way. So first period, you got to get to the front door. I live, my parents thought since we lived close to the school that we lived close to the front door, which was not the case. I got like 53 tardies my first, my first quarter. <laughs> every day I had to come up with like some new way to try to get to class early enough to not get a tardy. I had like 50 some odd tardies. I think I had like a one, four first quarter freshman year. Yeah, man. 
I, I don't know how I managed that. I just was overwhelmed. The classes were ass. Like I, I, had, I had already jumped into that collegiate way of thinking of, oh yeah, I don't need this class. <laughs> it's freshman year in high school. You need every class. <laughs> you need every class that they put on your schedule. I'm like, oh yeah, earth, space, science. I thought we were going to be talking about sex in here. I'm out of this class and <laughs> never came back to it. It was just, it was just all bad. And then, you know, then I had that parent-teacher conference that set my world uh, straight, which 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 did not take long, man. But yeah, so so my my kid is not a uh, is not understanding yet that you uh you you have to get good grades. That's your job. Uh, he does understand that this is his job, though. By the way, he does. Because I try to be as good a parent as I possibly can. What what episode are we on? We are on one seventy eight. Episode 178 of the Full Go Podcast. Those voices that you may have already heard, depending on how this thing got edited, <laughs> is the active Jesse Lopez and my main man, Tony Gill. Fellas, it's good to see you guys. I want to ask you guys this question before we, we really get underway here. Have you ever, ever gone back to your old job just to stunt a little bit, just to, just to show them what, you, what you're on, or made sure that your old job saw Whatever the, the the progress or the next movement was, so did did that did that ever play out in your lives? Because I sat my ass here and watched Ben Simmons play against the Philadelphia 76ers and none of their stars, and just watched the Brooklyn Nets lose to the Philadelphia 76ers with none of their stars on the floor. And boy, was I could not be prouder of Ben Simmons. He actually shot the ball, right? He flirted. I, at last I looked, he flirted with a triple-double. He told the fans to be quiet. Like, all the things that you thought would happen. Like, remember when LeBron returned to Cleveland that first go-round in Miami? Like, that. That was a huge, huge deal. Mm-hmm. Hell, when 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 Kyrie went back to Boston for the first time after he after he got traded to to Brooklyn, huge deal. Like going back to a spot that you left under some kind of duress or with some kind of animus, huge deal. This didn't feel that way, right? You had no Embiid, right? You had no Maxi, you had no Harden. The, the fans were kind of like boo, but they weren't really booing them the way Philadelphia 76ers fans and Philadelphia fans are known to get on people. And then Ben went out there and had himself a, a decent basketball game. Like, I was waiting for the, the I'm going to show you, I'll teach you how to stunt 20-point triple-double from Ben Simmons tonight. Like, that's that's what I was thinking. Because let me tell you all this. I don't know if anybody knows. Maybe some people here locally know. I go on my ex station quite often these days just to stunt. I, I am never booked. I pull up when I am in the area. I say, hey, I'm coming upstairs. They they throw the doors open because I bring, you know, hilarity and, and you know, facts and entertainment and all the good vibes that you should probably bring as a guest. But I bring it like I own the damn place. That's how I walk in that bitch. So, yes, I thought Ben Simmons was going to do his best return. And, boy, was that a... A, a whimpering kind of letdown because it, it didn't have the juice that I thought it would have. Tony, Jesse, have you guys ever pulled back up to your old spot? Like, hey, what's going on here? Yeah, I've done that before. My very first job, I was uh, a bag boy at a grocery market. And I left to get a job in radio. So that was a pretty big jump 
And Jesse pulled up. Jesse pulled up, slammed his Snickers on the on the conveyor belt. Was like, you got changed for a hundred. Damn straight. Damn straight. (laughs) I only got two of these, but you got changed for them. (laughs) Oh man, how how they feel? How they treat you? Did they look at you like, look at our superstar that's finally made it? Uh, some of my coworkers actually did because I was cool with some of them. Uh, the main boss was kind of an asshole. And he was a bit of a racist. And I remember oh, when I told okay. him. Welcome uh, to radio. Yeah. So <laughs> I was perfect. I already had already been trained for it. Yeah. So I remember when I, when I got like the job, when the off- job was offered to me and like I officially got it, I went back. I had just worked till I worked in the morning. So I went back and everyone's like, what are you doing here? Why are you coming back? And I was just like walking with that extra step. Be like, I'm quitting uh, today. I'm quitting today. Uh, and I told my boss. kind of guy Jesse is, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. And I told we're my finding boss. Out. Yeah, when, when, I can, when I can glow, I fucking will. Because I know I know when I can and when I can't. Because when I can't is when it bounces back on me. So I'm like, nah, fuck that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I like sick Jesse. Got a little bit of extra spice to him. All right, Tony, has this ever happened to you? Have you had your Ben Simmons moment in your career? Uh, I have not. Only because I just didn't care enough to go see those people. Uh, I remember the day that I decided to quit, though. Uh, I was working at a law firm and I was doing hospita- hospitality and I was doing part time, you know, radio. So I was doing mm-hmm. part time there, part time radio. Mm-hmm. And the moment I decided to just go all in on radio, uh, one of the secretaries, I had just got off a break, just got off a break, just clocked back in, right? Getting my bearings because, you know, the boy was asleep, feel me? Right. Um, right. And the secretary comes in and yells at me, talking about there ain't no coffee. Like, like I'm a kid. And I was like, you know what? This is my last day. I am not gonna be yelled at like a child for not getting some coffee ready in the middle of the day. I'm good. So I, I quit go. that day. There you go. Yeah. So that felt good. Yeah. I don't know that I've quit. I think about it. I don't know that I've ever quit day of. That's that's an empowering feeling, I'm sure. I mean, oh, I've man. been like you I've quit. And you walked me. out, right? Like you didn't go back. Like this is you didn't get oh, like yeah, a two no, weeks no, no. notice. No, I was like, uh, I, I called my boss as I was like walking down the street. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quitting. Can't do this so, anymore. Yeah, I'm not going to be disrespected over some coffee, my guy. So I think I, I think a telemarketer job I had went, went went that way one time, but that was like that was during the search for. Radio Glory, right? That was like right when my internship began in 2000. I was messing around trying to make a little extra dough. I was 19, 20 years old. And yeah, I think that I think that happened then. Uh, I worked at Finish Line and I didn't walk out, but they 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 let me steal from the place on the way out, which was awesome. That was that was super cool. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, I was I was seasonal help. I'll never forget Finish Line and Old Orchard. <laughs> I was seasonal help, <laughs> and the manager at the end of my run was like, "Let me tell you something. You are the only person who has ever worked here for this amount of time and never stolen from us." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh yeah." I'm like, "That's pretty dope." <laughs> He's like, "Man, go in the back and take whatever you want on the way out." And I was like, "That's." I was like, oh. Well, immediately I was like, ah, they try to set my black ass up. Yeah, they got a, no they got a right. They got a, they got a quota for for people who supposed to steal, and I I just didn't come up. <laughs> I, I didn't meet that quota apparently, and they trying to get me up out of here on the last day. But nah, man, I I left out of there with some uh, some North Carolina Tar Heel shorts 
and uh, the the I believe the Jordans to match. Yeah, so that was a good day, and I uh, never went back. Never went back. That was also back in the days when you had to go do uh, take a uh, a drug test, and the drug testing place was right across <laughs> the, the the hall uh, from mm. the finish line. Like it was right across the way, right? And I'm sitting there like I'm nervous for some reason. I hadn't done a drug in my life until that point, right? Just nervous <laughs> sitting there looking just at all about the other it. people. Yeah, yeah, looking at all I the other people. Too. Yeah, yeah, like oh man, hope I don't fail this test. Hadn't hadn't inhaled. A a, a whiff of a drug in my life. Well, not in my life, but you know, wasn't doing it to that at that point, right? But yeah, those are the days. Shout out to Finish Line and Old Orchard. And shout out to Ben Simmons for uh, getting out there and getting after his old team, even though he took it on the chin with none of their three best players playing. He got beat by George Niang and P.J. Tucker. <laughs> a triumphant return for one Ben Simmons. Uh, gotta love the NBA, right? We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff after a word from our sponsors. Bears talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. And the kick is good for the win. Fade to black. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Josh, it's always good to talk to you. Always good to see you, brother. Um, yeah, good to see you. So, this shoulder gate. Okay. Sure, like, yeah. Right. Right well, now, we're we're <laughs> we're in this weird. Did, when did they know? And what did they know when they knew it? And <laughs> did did you know he was cramping up? And did you think it was a hamstring? What What do you make of all the play calling? I read your stuff at NBCSportsChicago.com. But for the people who haven't, uh, what do you make of Luke Getzey's play calling? And I want to get into some other um, mm-hmm. macro issues when it comes to his play calling. But what do you make of the final drive against Atlanta and where we are right now with Justin Fields' shoulder? Yeah, I mean, I thought Luke Getzey in general, I think we can all agree that adding the quarterback design runs was a good wrinkle. It's nice to get Justin on the move. And I'm glad that the, I'm glad the film from, Hall, from Ohio State made it to Hallis Hall a year and a half later. They're like, oh, cool, he's athletic. That's tremendous. Let's, let's do some of this stuff. Uh, but that's supposed to be a wrinkle, right? That's not supposed to be the only tool you have. And they, you started using it like a hammer. Like, you don't want to run Justin Fields 17, mm-hmm. 18 times. And especially when your quarterback comes out the week before and says, Hey, you know, I'm feeling it. My legs are heavy. Like I'm going to be okay, but you know, I'm, I'm feeling it. And then he's cramping. And so, and the Falcons played it so well, like teams adjust. They knew how to, they knew how to kind of string him out. He took a lot of hits. And then for the final drive, you open it with a quarterback sweep to the left and get him, get him obliterated. And then you, I mean, they didn't call a quarterback draw. Apparently they called the halfback draw and it was miscommunication and he got tattooed again. And it's just like, man, the quarterback draw or the quarterback run game is just supposed to like get defensive off defense off balance. So you can throw the football, not just so you can run just right. like a battering ram. And this is what happens, right? We, I mean, it's the same thing with Trey Lance, and the 49ers when it's a one to two pass run ratio, like you, you're just playing with fire. Yeah. It, it does look that way. And you know, it's, it, I said it in the last pod that it, there's a, there's a happy middle. There's a happy middle yes. ground that you could reach, right? You don't have to keep him in the pocket and you don't have to treat him like this is a triple option offense. <laughs> Uh, that, that middle ground, let's, let's talk about that second play, because if we're still in the area of game winning drives and guys aren't getting the play call down, that's a problem too. For me, if if, if it's supposed to be a halfback draw, all of a sudden it turns into a quarterback draw. (laughs) It feels like there's different blocking assignments, feels like there's different responsibilities on those type of plays. But, you know, a lot has been made of Luke Getze's play calling. And it's since the Washington Commanders game with the mini bye week and all the other stuff and stealing plays from uh, the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson. But much like Matt Nagy, uh, you know, you can have you can have the cheat sheet all you want. 
But when that second part of that quiz, that second part of that test, like Matt Nagy came in here with Andy Reid's offense ready to answer all the questions. And then the second part of the test came up and the counterbalance and the counteractivity by NFL defenses around the league. You got to come up with the other part. And Andy Reid and Bill Belichick don't go with you to your next coaching uh, stop. So when it comes to Luke (laughs) Getze, do you still do you think that he one? Do you think that he was prepared to coach this kind of quarterback? Because if we're talking about how long it took for him to get outside the pocket and two, if we're talking about taking from other offenses, I mean, the Mississippi State stuff and all the other stuff that I heard about him coming into this situation. What are we learning about what he wasn't ready to call for this particular quarterback until four or five weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, it seems like, well, one, I mean, look, it's we got to remember he's a first-time play caller, so he's going right, to have to right. a little bit of leash. He's got to, you know, learn how to feel stuff. He was with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LeFleur, but he wasn't calling the plays. He was just hanging out, right? He's just being a vibes guy. Um, he's really smart, um, but I think what we learned is he came in with probably his, uh, like, this is what he wants to do and was like, I'm going to do it. Like, this is what we're, we're going to do it. We're going we're gonna to implement it. And then after six weeks, he was like, man, the offensive line's not very good. We don't have anyone that can get open and Justin's getting pressured 50% of his dropbacks. Maybe we should change it up. And you got to give him credit. They did, you know, they did the mini buy. They really implemented stuff that that's good, not only for Justin, but for other people. Like they got Cole Komet open. They got Cole Komet to be, to go from a guy who is a, basically a glorified extra tackle to a actual pass catching weapon, which is what he's built to be. Um, so that's good. But you're right. Like after five games of the quarterback run game, it's on tape and teams are like, oh, cool. This is what you want to do. We'll just game plan for that. We'll rush the mesh point. We'll bring an extra safety in the box and we're going to hit your quarterback a ton and make him feel it. And there was no counter, right? It wasn't like even against the Lions, we saw the play action, bring the safety up, hit Cole 50 yard run. That's great. That's what it's meant to do. We really seen it against the Falcons. Like the mm-hmm. passing concepts were pretty basic, other than the rub route that got Darnell the touchdown. Other than that, it was like, oh, cool. There's a go, a nine, and an out, or we're going to leave two people in and roll Justin with one route, and it's and then he's just getting hit or throwing it away. So there wasn't, there just hasn't been a lot of innovation still in the pass game, especially off the quarterback run game. It's almost like as the losses piled up, they're like, oh, we're scoring thirty points, but we're still losing. Let's just see if we can run it more and try to get a win. Speaking of running it more, Khalil Herbert, you, you know, you obviously missed that big playability in the run game. And uh, I think it was too too little was made of how effective he was early on in the season here. Uh, you saw with David Montgomery, he's a guy who I think needs the football to get it going. And it'll, it'll pay off in the fourth quarter. It seems like they, at certain points in the Atlanta game, abandoned the run game. What is this offense? Well, first of all, do you think Justin Fields will play this week? <laughs> Um, if you're a betting man, not that I know that you're not or not, but uh, if you're a betting man, would you be betting that Justin Fields is going to play? Man, um, I'm going to say yes, but mm. he shouldn't. Okay. And I say that only because I know Justin and Justin is tough and he's not going to want to sit out. And if it's an injury, the things we don't know what the injury is, right? If the injury can't be made worse, I can tell you the Bears are going to be dumb and play him against the team that leads the NFL in pressure rate. That's going to be tremendous. Um, so I, I put it at, you know, 51-49 he plays. Uh, but we'll hear from him Wednesday and, and see what he says. But, I mean, he's already come out and said the injury affects his throwing. Uh, he's in a ton of pain. So, I mean, what are you going to do if he if he's already, you know, it affects mobility, the accuracy's not there, you're going to run him more with a banged-up shoulder? Um, it's a tough guy because, I mean, obviously you shouldn't do it, but right now I'd say 51-49 he's going to play. So, 
this leads into my next question. Even if he doesn't play, I think this is the perfect chance to show off what you got in Chase Claypool. He's been here for three weeks now. Trevor Simeon, who started four games for the Saints last year, is a guy who's a plug-and-play passer. You know, you, you don't have to dial things back too much for him. There's nothing that he hasn't seen in this last half a decade or so in the NFL. Um, Chase Claypool. <laughs> is, is, is this the time that Luke Getze and Matt Eberflew says we have to justify a second-round pick being paid for this guy and have him out there without, you know, descending number of snaps game to game? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you there. I think the good thing about Trevor Simeon, probably the only good thing about him is that he is a very veteran pocket passer and he can go through his reads quickly and, and he's pretty accurate, right? He's not, Obviously, he's not mobile. He's not going to give you the quarterback run game. But, um, you know, he can get other guys involved. Uh, Claypool is... <laughs> Playbook is fascinating, right? They give up what's going to be a top 35, 36 pick for him. And he's got five catches for like 32 yards. They haven't really found a way to utilize him, even on deep balls. Like after the Miami game where he drew the PI and should have drawn the second PI, they haven't gone back that well. Um, it's been really, really curious. And I don't, the Bears, how they've used Claypool. Nikhil Harry being inactive, Bayless Jones being a healthy scratch a couple of times. It's like there seems to be conflicting things with Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles where it's like, yeah, I know you want to win, but you are three and eight now and you need to find out what you have in guys you gave up assets for. Like you used a third round pick on Bayless. You gave up a seventh for Nikhil Harry. Gave up a tough 35 pick for Chase Claypool. You've got to find out if these guys are going to be here long term and Chase Claypool playing 25 snaps and being a blocker and a screen guy is not getting it done. When the deal was made, what did you think? Because I got killed. On, it's it's fine because I appreciate all the, the experts on Twitter killing me. But <laughs> I got killed for saying it seems like a steep price for a guy who a team who was also trying to develop a quarterback has no problem with letting go out of their building. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett is a rookie. He is not a second-year quarterback. So you would think that a big target like Chase Claypool to go along with George Pickens and Deontay Johnson would be um, ideal. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so when, when he's on the train block, it makes me think, okay, well, something's going on in that building, something's going on with him. They don't need him for whatever reason. What did you think of the price of the deal when it was made? Yeah, I mean, when it came out, it was a second-round pick. I thought for sure they'd give them the Ravens pick, which is going to be probably in the 50s that they got for Roquan Smith. When it came out, it was their own pick. Man, I thought it was a lot to give up for a guy whose who's stats are kind of are descending. And I mean, you, like you said, the Steelers are one of those franchises. They don't really miss on players. So it's like the Patriots, right? When they're giving someone away, there's got to be a, something that goes off. It's like, you know, what's, what's going on? Why is this winning organization mm-hmm. not want this guy? Um, I understand the need to get a deep threat. I understand the free agent wide receiver class upcoming is not very good. I do too. Um, but all that being said, I think it's probably a moment where Ryan Poles is the first time GM and kind of got had, right? I think you probably should have had your value point at the third round pick. And if they're like, hey, the Packers are giving us a two, then you say, hey, Godspeed and best yeah. of luck. And yeah. I mean, it, it's an overpay. Um, but now that you did overpay, you have, to, you have to justify that price or try to justify it. And so far, <laughs> they're not even trying to justify it. The Cole commit. Uh, pop that's happened yeah. over the last month or so. Uh, what's sustainable? What is just, you know, big plays that, that you can't rely upon? Like, uh, the, the seam throw to me, uh, that was as good a play that I've seen by both quarterback and tight end in this offense in maybe the entire season. It, it, it wasn't the biggest play. It wasn't the, the most eye-popping play. But for me, finding that guy riding the seam and dropping that ball where he did and, of course, him making that play, it showed me glimpses of the future, especially with a quarterback and tight end, a young quarterback. What do you think of Cole Komet? What has this last month shown you? And is there a new, is there a new um, 
floor for Cole Komet going forward. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, like you're not going to see those 50-yard touchdown passes every game, right? But I think what you're seeing out of Cole Komet is, is twofold. He's really improved as a run blocker, which in, in this scheme is really important. And, and he's improved his separation ability, and both those go hand-in-hand hand with what the guess he wants to do. So we've seen him go from a guy who's been non-existent in the red zone. I mean, he didn't have a touchdown in like 30-something straight games. Uh, and he's just getting open in the red zone because of that run, because he's a viable run blocker. And now he knows how to separate. Um, and him and Justin do have chemistry. I think that seam throw is something they've worked on since the off season. And you're right. I think Cole Komet, tremendous catch. Justin, that is a, that is a dime. That is one of his best throws of the year. And I don't think he got enough credit for putting that ball right over the, right over the linebacker, the safety's hand. Um, I think a lot of it's sustainable. And I think I'd be willing to bet that they talk extension with Cole Komet. They really love him. He kind of, is the perfect kind of locker room guy they want. He upholds the standard and he's worked his tail off to get better. Um, and you really do need a tight end in this scheme who can be a good run blocker, but also a pass catcher. Um, so I, I think a lot of it's sustainable. Um, and I think what you've seen over the last five games is probably what you're going to see more of in the future from Cole Komet. All right. Uh, on to the other side of the football. Uh, aside we, from the legend that it, yeah, I know, do we, do we I know. To? Yes, yes, we have to. <laughs> do we have to because I got to get these jokes off. I got to okay. get these jokes <laughs> off. Fire uh, away. Outside, outside of the legend that is Jack Sanborn. <laughs> yes, of course. Local guy. I don't know if you've heard. Yeah, I, know, I, I did. I did hear that. <laughs> yeah, he's from the area. He's I heard guy, he's from yeah. the area. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> I heard slow walk on kind of guy that makes yeah, all right, the kids, you know, in the northern suburbs feel like they have an NFL future. Oh, yeah. The whole thing. I'm, I'm well aware. Yeah, there are good. many Jack Sanborn jerseys that are going to be bought this Christmas <laughs> season. I, I I promise you that. Uh, but the rest of that front seven, what's salvageable, man? I mean, Armand Watts every once in a while jumps up and makes a play. Um, but, you know, I, I'm expecting because I'm, I'm really into the the draft class critique now, this point of the season. You know, Dominique Robinson jumped off the, the porch for a, a sack and a half and haven't Hot seen sack. him since. Hot right? Sack. right? Yeah, so right. What, what's salvageable out of that front seven and what do you need to see more of to, to continue this evaluation process that's going to go into the offseason on that defense? I mean, I think the front seven, you have players like Jack Sanborn and Dominique Robinson who are probably depth pieces, right? Maybe Jack Sanborn turns into a starting mic, but they're probably depth pieces and that's fine for where they were drafted. For the most part, it's got to be completely revamped. I mean, ever since they traded Robert Quinn and Roquan Smith, the front seven hasn't done anything, right? They have three sacks, two are from Sanborn, one's from Jaquan Brisker. Uh, they didn't sack Marcus Mariota. They didn't hit Marcus Mariota. They didn't do anything. Um, Travis Gibson, right? There was a ton of talk when they traded Robert Quinn, like, oh, this is his moment, right? This is time to flash. He hasn't done anything. He's been a no-show. Justin Jones, the Larry Ogunjobi fill-in, uh, likes to pop in the fourth quarter and make a big tackle and prove he's still there. And then we don't really see him until the next fourth quarter. Um, so, yeah, I think that that's got to be priority 1A or 1B, along with the offensive line in the draft class, is perfect for it because where the Bears are set up, they can either take Will Anderson or Jalen Carter or trade back and then take Will Anderson or Jalen Carter. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. So I think, that's, I think that's where you're at because they don't have there are no game changers on the in the front seven. That's why the defense is bad because as good as Jalen Johnson is and Kyler Gordon is trending upward and Eddie Jackson's been good, you can only cover so long and there's no pressure, so it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, and and that's the part that is interesting to me because there's a tape floating around Bears Twitter these last couple of days. <laughs> the Kyle Pitts scramble drill where oh, Kyler sure. Gordon is looking back into the backfield and Kyle Pitts gets away from him in the back of the end zone. A um, lot of lot of people who are hot and cold on Kyler Gordon. Uh, not so much on Jaquan Brisker. He seems like he's going to be a stud as long as he stays healthy. But w- what's your what's your opinion right now on on number six back there? Yeah, I mean, I've been really impressed with the development through the year, right? You remember week two, Aaron Rodgers went at him. He gave up 11 catches and two touchdowns. I mean, he was, he was flambate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, that's life as a cornerback, a rookie cornerback in the NFL, unless you're Sauce Gardner or Patrick Sertain, who just rolls off the bus and is like, you ain't catching anything on me. So Kyler Gordon, I mean, they asked him to play outside and inside. Nickel is a really, really hard position in the NFL to play at that speed especially against veteran quarterbacks. I thought he's, I think he's been a lot better over the last five, six weeks. He's still going to make mistakes though. I mean, he's played 11 games. People are like, I can't believe he lost Kyle Pitts. What are you doing? And then, you know, a quarter later, he basically forces a three and out on his own. He makes a tackle for loss. He blows up a screen. Um, I think he's a good player. Is he going to end up being a star? I don't know. I think Jaquan Brisker is the jewel of the draft class, but I think Kyler Gordon can end up being a really, really, really good nickel. And you need that in this defense. So I've been impressed. He's still got a long way to go. Um, but as far as the, those two rookies in the back end, um, at least those are wins for Ryan Poles because the rest of the draft class looks looks a little rough. You already mentioned Will Anderson. You mentioned Jalen Carter. Uh, I mentioned last pod that don't don't be surprised if they go somewhere else besides offense, whether it be O-line or wide receiver. Yes, completely agree. The draft profile that that we're getting ready to put together for Ryan Poles with, with with a second draft under his belt. Are there any leanings? You know, you guys around that building, you guys talk to a lot of people. Um, where where do you think Ryan Poles is looking at and saying, okay, this is what the top of the draft's going to be like. This is where we'll be. This is what is the of the utmost importance. Or is he a is he a best player on the board guy? I would tend to lean he's going to be best player just because he's really pragmatic and really disciplined. And he understands this roster has just holes all of, like you cannot go into this draft and be at four and be like, well, God, take God, take a receiver right. and just take one. Right. And you can't do that. But I would also say it depends what they do in free agency. They have a ton of money to you. What holes do they fill with a hundred million dollars first? I'd imagine what they should do is pay for the offensive line. I pay for a veteran O-line, get the blockers in place for Justin Fields, and then go young on defense uh, and young at receiver. I think that's a smart move to do. And I imagine that's probably what Ryan Bowles, who is an offensive line guy by trade, will do. He'll look for depth pieces at O-line late in the draft, like he did with Braxton Jones and Jatiri Carter, who, meh, you know, maybe they work out, maybe they don't. Um, but I do think they will go best player. And I think that based on where they are, if they don't trade down, which if the opportunity presents itself, and they can pick up an extra first round pick or two. They should do that. Um, but I do think they'll they'll go defense just because of where they're at, and teams are going to want to go up for CJ Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis, the like. All right, brother. I appreciate your time, man. Uh, yeah, I know man. it was uh, late notice, and I know you got things to do this evening. So I appreciate you jumping on with us. And if Trevor Simeon is the starter or isn't the <laughs> starter, we'll uh, we'll just uh, edit that out of the pod, or we'll just leave it in and pretend I'll like it never it. happened. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, we'll do it live. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do it live. <laughs> My man, Josh Rock from NBC Sports Chicago. Appreciate you, brother. Hey, you got him anytime. Yes, sir. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. So, Tony, they done messed around and broke our guy. They done messed around and taken the only reason to watch Bears football possibly off the field. Now, his separated slash dislocated slash hurt slash 
uh, confirmed slash not confirmed shoulder injury uh, is still up in the air. We're going to get more from the MRI that is going to happen on Wednesday as we're taping here on Tuesday night. So there is a possibility that by the time you listen to this, Trevor Simeon will be starting against the New York Jets against whoever Robert Sala wants to start for the New York Jets because Zach Wilson hasn't been identified as the starter as of yet. But for all the things that have come out since we talked last on Sunday's pod where I said, hey, play calling was a little topsy-turvy. You mess around running the guy who seemed you, – you saw that he wasn't running with the same – uh, zeal. He wasn't running with the same aggressiveness. And of course, he was cramping up during the game. We thought it was hamstring issues. So we were happy that it wasn't hamstrings and more so cramping and dehydration and uh, things of that nature, right? But when you find out that they call the first play of that final drive and then the second play that he got the personal, well, should have gotten the personal foul from Grady Jarrett on. So he put him in more line of fire. You find out that that was supposed to be a halfback draw. Like, all these things at the end of that game do not make me feel very good about the offensive play-calling situation with the Chicago Bears. One, you're putting a quarterback in harm's way that is noticeably shaken up, is noticeably not running the way he's supposed to. And I know, because the way I've been reading it and the way I've been hearing it, you can tell exactly who feels what about Justin Fields. There are some people who are writing and talking about it in a manner of, well, that's the way you want to move the ball. You can't ask for it to be no, I want you to be the coach that understands what is necessary in every moment. The same way we talk about quarterbacks needing to be able to hand the football off because they're taking too many hits, same thing applies here. The difference is you're handing it off to him. So you have to make that decision. You have to make that call if you are his higher up, which are his offensive head coach. I'm sorry, his offensive assistant, his offensive coordinator, his offensive play caller, which is Luke Getze, and the head coach and Matt Eberflus. Somebody's got to say, hey, guy's not moving well. This is a game against the Atlanta Falcons where we should have probably already been able to win this thing except for special teams let us down. So now you can evaluate another situation where he's asked to throw the football. Like much like the third and sixth call that was that was called a, a, a run off tackle, if I'm not mistaken, to David Montgomery earlier in the game. It was, it was another opportunity for you to evaluate things. And not just evaluate him, but to evaluate that offensive line. To evaluate blitz pickup in David Montgomery. To evaluate if Chase Claypool, because I've been searching for him, if he was on the field. To evaluate what you big go-up-and-get-it target can do in a situation late in the ball game where you need it. What ends up happening? He runs into somebody in the first play. The second play is supposed to be a halfback draw. Next thing you know, he's getting kneed and kicked in the head. And then the third play is a, is a pass, and it's obvious. It's evident. The more hits, the more exposure to contact you take, the more it's going to affect your accuracy. Next thing you know, he drives back and throws a ball that's too tall for David Montgomery. It gets picked off. There's the ball game. That's how offensive play calling can hamper not just your attempts to win, but your attempts to evaluate. So, yeah, Luke Getze needs to come under all the fire that he needs to, and, and it's fine because the same way we treat Justin Fields when he throws a bad interception or the same way we treat Justin Fields when he doesn't let that thing go because he's not trusting what he's seeing out there is the same way you should get on Luke Getze. If there's a growth, if there's a curve that he has to be uh, graded on, that's fine. I've seen him be better. I've seen him be better in these last three weeks. It seems to me, and this is the same thing that happened with Matt Nagy, y'all. It seems to me that these coaches who are around greatness, whether it be Andy Reid or Matt LaFleur 
and Aaron Rodgers, in Luke Getze's case, everybody understands what the cliff notes look like until you get the real test. And if you don't have Andy Reid's brain, you don't have Bill Belichick's brain, as we've seen with Matt Patricia and Josh McDaniels and a bunch of these other uh, assistants who have fallen from his tree. Same thing with Sean McVay. You look at Zach Taylor and the people who won his head in Cincinnati. You know, Matt LaFleur had to, had to stomp it out a little bit with Aaron Rodgers until he earned his respect. But man, these coaches who come from these heralded coaching trees, they don't have the, the, all the answers. They don't have all the ingredients. They don't have all the tricks to the recipe. It's Thanksgiving week, right? You got a lot of people running around out here that's getting a lot of recipes off of TikTok and a lot of recipes off of this, that, and the other. You ain't your grandmama. You ain't, you ain't your big mama. You ain't the old lady across the street. You feel me? There's certain things they throw in that pot that you have no idea about. Your grandfather do, though. That's why his ass been miserable for 45 years. But we'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> but seriously, that's what it looked like. And that's what it looks like right now with the play calling. They, they stumbled upon something. Apparently, they found out he had legs five, six weeks ago and then started using them to the point where the other part of his evaluation and the other part of his development was put on the back burner. And that's why I've asked the last few guests that we had in the last few weeks, hey, how much of this is not only sustainable, but how much are you throwing him in the box of, yeah, this is the dude who's going to run 15, 16 times a game and get those first downs for us. Well, okay, but what's the next level to that? Because that's not sustainable. It's not all or nothing. It's not mess around and run the football, you know, none, or run the football 15, 16 times with them. And the design runs have been successful. But there's, there's an art to this. There's a developmental curve. There's a grade that he has to go up and down. There's a trajectory that isn't linear, like we've been talking about, that is jagged. But you want to make sure that when you zoom out after a month of games, after eight games, after 10 games, you see the incremental progress. And you want to have it happen before an injury occurs. So, yeah, anybody that's coming for Luke Getzey's head this week, I'm with it. I'm down. Also, you can come for Justin Fields' head, too. Because the same guy that I was saying two, three weeks ago, I don't want walking around super humble. I want you understanding that you the man. Hey, guess what? I want him to understand that he is the man so much so that when you know you hurt, we ain't running that play. Simple as that. I'm the most important man in this building. Y'all can front and act like the other 52 are as important. I know I got to say that when it comes to these post-game press conferences. My hamstrings are on fire. I can't move the way I want to. They've been touching me up all damn game. They're not refereeing me the way they referee other quarterbacks, apparently, in this league over the last month or so. That call isn't being called. We drawing something up in the dirt. If it doesn't work, hell, that's up to y'all to figure it out. Nah, man. Come on. Let's, let, let, let's not act like it ain't what it is. That was negligence. It's as simple as that. It was negligence. It was negligence on Justin's fault for, for saying, not saying it to his headset. I know, second-year quarterback, you know, first time starting for this, this stretch of games in the league. I can dig it. But it's up to him to say, hey, I don't like that right now. I don't know if y'all saw me on the sideline with the, you know, the, the Theragun on both hamstrings. I don't know if y'all saw that. I don't know if you see the fact that I'm running into what are blows, glancing blows at times, but blows from guys who are playing safety and linebacker in this league. And yes, he is a tough guy. He is a tough kid. But him being tough on the sidelines does you no good. Him being tough when, when, when you don't have film to evaluate does you no good. 
And if Trevor Simeon has to play for any stretch of games, you can throw the development. All this season is is development and evaluation. You can throw that out the out the window. It's going to be two or three games of tape that you really can't use. This is also the reason why they need to go out and get a backup that suits Justin Fields' skill set as well. So you don't have to veer too far from what you want to run offensively. Or, or this is the other end of it. We're going to see if Trevor Simeon gets a start or gets in there at any point over these next couple of weeks. We're going to see the offense that they want to run. And we could juxtapose that to what they've been running. Because this obviously, long term, isn't the offense that Luke Getze, I'm sure, sets, has set out for Justin Fields to run. Hell, this ain't the offense that I'm sure Justin Fields set out to run. But it was the offense to manipulate the defense out there, to make sure that you were moving the chains, to just have some offensive success. But now you've reached a certain point where that's been capped due to injury because it's not been capped due to production. You know, you wait for that to happen every once in a while. Okay, they've stopped it. Now what's the next step? This has been capped because of injury. So now what's next? What's next? You got got six games to figure out who the hell you are offensively. If Khalil Herbert is is not going to be able to go after he gets out of his injured reserve window, you got to figure out what this run game is as well. The Tevin Jenkins situation, that question has to be asked. Is he hurt enough to be the backup or is he healthy enough to be the starter? Came out of that Atlanta Falcons game with a lot more questions than I expected. I thought they would lose or be in a close game, which they were. But the fact that so much is coming out now about the play calling, about the, the play relay, where guys are, you know, thinking that quarterback draws or halfback draws or halfback draws should be quarterback draws. The confusion and the miscommunication that you can't have at the end of the game is an organizational letdown. It's an organizational failure at the end of the day. And that's what you need to be graded on so it doesn't happen again. Guys like to say, you know, this one's on me. That No, the entire thing, that le- entire last drive was on everyone involved. It was on Justin. It was on Luke. It was on Matt Eberflus. It was on the offensive line. <laughs> it was on the wide receivers for not getting open. It was on Justin for not finding an open target. It was on, it was on Justin for not hitting David Montgomery more square, even though I think that's a catch that David Montgomery has to come down with to help his quarterback out. But, yeah, we're going to get to that point now where, okay, you've wowed us for a good month and a half now. What are the sum total results? What's the end game here? Because running him that much has shown you what it leads to. So now, where do you go, Luke Getze? Now, where do you go, Justin Fields? Now, where is that relationship with Cole Komet and Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney? What's happening on your offensive line? We can get back to now the real football questions after we've been done with the, the wowing of the running of the football, which I was wowed by and I am entertained by. But now I want to see this dude grow in a different way. So if he isn't hurt for this Jets game, Treat him like a quarterback should be treated. Allow for him to run a little bit, but I want to see the maturation and the evolution in Justin Fields, the passer. And I want to make sure that Luke Getze is being held accountable along the way. Because that's the only way we as Bears fans are going to find out what's real and what's not. What's sustainable and what's not. What's a fluke and what's not. The last five games have been fun to watch, but you've seen the results. Losses and an injured quarterback. Now it's time for Matt Eberflus and Luke Getze to really take it back to the drawing board 
and show us what they were brought here for. Time for some commercials. Bulls talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by the Ringer, a Spotify original. Players who respond the way the Bulls players did uh, against the Celtics. It's like, hey man, y'all proving his point. <laughs> like, 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 you know, what you want to do in those situations is play even shittier the next night. <laughs> so it makes it look like it's the coach's problem and the coach's fault rather than going ham. Or Zach was out there trying to win the Defensive Player of the Year award in the first quarter of that ball game <laughs> against the Celtics. I was watching that like, look at the effort on eight. <laughs> yeah, man, I mean... The Celtics rolled up and was like, all right, let's figure this out. And by the time they were trying to figure everything out, it was game six of the Eastern Conference Finals for the Chicago Bulls. <laughs> they were out there slapping the floor, running it as hard as they possibly could. You know, Zach was getting off to a, a an aggressive start, got to the free throw line in the first mm-hmm. quarter, which is something you're not used to seeing. You know, Javante got into the game when he was supposed to. Andre Drummond grabbed, like, 74 rebounds in two and a half minutes. Like, I'm sitting there watching with Kendall and, and Will, like, hey, um, like, you know if you if you do too good a job that you've proven the coach right, right? Like, you know, <laughs> you know this is pointing out the fact that you guys have to have it emphasized that you should move the basketball and play defense, right? Like, mm-hmm. this is... It was, so you have it the was, understanding of it. Right. <laughs> you just don't want to do it. Oh, <laughs> uh, look at look at parent Tony stepping in there, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> like that's a, the boy ain't even got his he ain't got a seed yet, but that was that was the those are the words that Tony's child would hear at some point. Yeah, man. Like I'm watching that game and thinking to myself, ah, oh, look at the Celtics. Look at the Celtics just miss shots and go through the motions. Meanwhile, the Bulls are on the other end, racing up and down the court, grabbing every rebound. There was no defensive assignment that wasn't adhered to. The the Bulls scored 60-plus points in the first half. That's usually happening to the Bulls. So, you know, I guess you can't look a a, a win in in the mouth, right? But they lost four in a row. They played a team that had won nine in a row. Something was bound to happen. They get a win against an Eastern Conference foe. Uh, one of the Eastern Conference elites. Um, yeah, <laughs> they didn't get a lot of those last year. So, you know, you, you you pat them on the back for it now. But this thing, you got the the Bucks coming up here. And <sighs> then you got Oklahoma City. And I don't know if people have been watching the Thunder lately, but Shea Gilgis-Alexander will cook anyone in this league. I, I, hopefully he's healthy while I'm uh, recording this right now. But, yeah, man, the the Bulls are in a in a weird way because – You've got that messy little coach player situation that happened with Zach and, and Billy. And then you could tell in the in the the pregame uh press conference, you could tell that Billy got told by the powers that be that, oh yeah, you could you could say that. You could do whatever you want to do. Don't don't be scared. You're fine. <laughs> because Billy then came to that pregame, yeah, that's the way I'm gonna coach him. And that's just that's just how I get down. Right? He had a different swagger to him as opposed to what was happening in the postgame of the Orlando game. Man, it's all funny games. Oh, I always told point. him. I always told him that. Hit him with the LeBron me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been telling him that. I've been on that, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I told Jeff K, JFK you shouldn't be in a convertible. 
You know, like, like that kind of shit, right? Like, it's it's so wild, man. They doing Bron dirty right now, man. And there's nothing where, hey, listen, as as a person who has lied and gotten caught in a lie, there's nothing worse than that moment of truth when you're like, I could let it go or I could double down. <laughs> and and Bron is like, oh, I'm a triple double down. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a big O this thing. <laughs> like, like he started talking about rappers and being in the studio and they was cutting albums and all types of shit. Like the, the worst thing that could have happened is to bring someone on that barbershop show that wasn't a lackey. That was somebody who was like, you know, see, you know seen as not as big a star as LeBron because obviously nobody is, but a guy who looks at LeBron like, hey man, I'm just as important as you. And that's exactly who Jalen Ramsey is at his core. Let's let's keep it funky. Like, you're not going to tell Jalen Ramsey that he isn't the best player in the NFL right now and maybe the best athlete of all time. So for him to call out Bron the way he did and then to see Bron, because we don't get a chance to see Bron in like squirmy moments enough. So for him to have that happen and to see a little bit of that, you know, what people call... um, Mindful imaging is what I'll call it. Uh, mindful in- imaging, phoniness. Mindful imaging to see that pop up to the surface. And you're like, oh, look at Bron out here on skates. Like, because we've all seen that face before. We've lived that face, right? When your lady's asking you a question, you know she know the answer. And you're like, oh, this is going to be a standoff, huh? Because I'm definitely not about to tell the truth in this moment. So, 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 so you. Oh, yeah, you, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, yeah I, I did that already. Meanwhile, you, you're texting your boy like, hey, uh, can you do this for me right now so it makes it look like I did this? <laughs> you already know the vibes. But yeah, I don't even know what we were talking about. I'm just glad we got to go off on a tangent on LeBron. Yeah. Oh, we were talking about the Bulls. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, what are you going to do? This, this team is... Uh, this team is the, the, the island of... Yeah, yeah. And just there's a bunch of ill-fitting parts on this team that are trying to figure each other out. Uh, shout out to Pat Williams, right? Like, had himself his season high of 17 points. Was actually going at Jason Tatum a couple of times, which I appreciated because I want to see more of that from Patrick Williams. I mean, it's, you know, we've, we've all said this ad nauseum. Like, we all want to see more from Patrick Williams. But his steady... You know, game after game, being in a, an aggressive mode for different spurts of it. I'm appreciative of it. Uh, I want to see more of it. I want to see that also bleed over into Ayo Desumu because last few pods we've been talking about Ayo and how he he, and he doesn't feel like the Ayo that we saw burst onto the scene when he was getting regular minutes and getting a chance to start when Lonzo first got hurt last year. Uh, I need to see Ayo not only be the aggressive Ayo, but be the aggressive Ayo to not give up the ball so easily. Uh, Because we've all been dancing around this shit. DeMar DeRozan not passing the ball in in too many instances is what Billy Donovan is talking about when he's talking about the, the, the randomness or lack thereof of the offense and what... Arturis Karnaschovas was talking about when he said they were too one-dimensional in terms of how they were being defended last year at the end of the year and in the playoffs. It's about DeMar. It's about DeMar. And the only way you're going to take DeMar off the ball is to take DeMar off the ball, which is, Goran, you see there's a difference with Goran Dragic is in there as opposed to Ayo DeSumo. And it's not like Goran is looking anybody off, but Goran knows where to go with the ball. And sometimes that's to DeMar. He's obviously playing in there with the second unit a lot. So we see Goran, Goran in there a lot with Zach. And, of course, his, his big buddy, his running mate, Andre Drummond, who is uh, 
you know, has been a, a, a ridiculously fun addition to watch to this team. I thought Andre Drummond was going to be a good player. We've watched him for years with Detroit and then with Cleveland and then with Brooklyn and then with Philly. And you think, oh, man, he's at the end of his rope. The man is, what, 30 years old only? Like, he's been in the league a decade and he's 30 years old. And he's playing like a, a you know, a really, really, really good backup big. So much so that if this thing ain't looking like it's supposed to look, come trade deadline, that's one of those guys that you, you take a look at Philadelphia and go, hey, y'all still need him. Or you take a look at Boston, a team that they just played, because the moment Al Horford went to the bench, hell, when Al Horford was in there at times, they were just too small. They were too small. Uh, they couldn't defend the paint. Um, they, they, they did not get many second-chance opportunities. Boston is a team that you look at. I know Bill Simmons would love this, but that's a team that you look at and say, hey, Andre Drummond is right here for you. You're going to need it for that playoff push because they're not beating anybody with their big man situation the way it is. Um, they got where they got last year with some terrific play out of Grant Williams and, of course, Robert Williams before the knee injury. But with Robert Williams on the mend and Al Horford not getting any younger, Boston definitely needs an upgrade in, in the front court of some type. And they need a bruiser and a banger. And a guy like Andre Drummond would, uh, would prove beneficial. But that's, uh, that's to say, who's to say that the, the Bulls will be in a position where they'll be sellers at the trade deadline? Uh, right now, few games under 500 in the Eastern Conference that ain't waiting on any team that we thought it was going, you know, wait on like the Atlanta Hawks and some of these other squads. We thought, oh, you just make a move and you'll pop up to the top of the Eastern Conference. No, no, no. Philadelphia 76ers haven't started the way they wanted to start. So, you know, the Bulls have a little bit of time here, but it's going to get late early. And this this next week and a half, two weeks is, is real reckoning time for this team. And to have Patrick Williams playing this way, and to continue to get these updates on Lonzo Ball, to see Kobe White get back, to see Zach Levine get healthier as we go along here, even though shot selection and some of the decision-making stuff that, that has plagued him that has nothing to do with his injury are still happening on the court. Like, those are the things that, that need to be ironed out. And I just don't know when a team, and especially the veterans on the team, are set in their ways or have been rewarded by being set in their ways or being in their ways, uh, I don't know how much you could truly change. Like, I don't know how much, how much of this team's character is really going to change when Lonzo Ball returns. Because all the things that I'm hearing about is on to the next possession, um, toughness in so many words without saying the actual word toughness, and you know passing the ball. Well, Lonzo Ball isn't one of these traditional point guards where he's controlling or dominating the rock the whole time. Lonzo Ball is a push-of-the-head guy. He's a fast-break guy. And he's a Cornish three-point shooter and a wing three-point shooter. So in the catch-and-shoot instances, obviously he'll space the floor and be better for you. But, you know, waiting on Lonzo to save the day is something that this team should not be doing. Um, I, I, think, I think Billy Donovan's got to get this defense together. And we saw a little bit of it against the Boston Celtics. But the fact that you have to reemphasize over and over and over again certain things to this squad, there's room and reason for concern. There is, as a Bulls fan. And I have that concern. They, they, they snapped their four-game losing streak against one of the better teams in the entire NBA and the Boston Celtics and did it in uh, emphatic fashion. But now, you got to play the Bucks. You got to play an angry Giannis Antetokounmpo. Last couple of games, he has not played the way he would like to, and you know what he does against the Bulls. So you've got to play against Giannis and that that different-looking, not new-look, but different-looking Milwaukee Bucks team. 
where at the point guard position, while they're waiting for Drew Holiday to get fully healthy, they're running around with Javon Carter and a bunch of, you know, tough dudes. So, you know, whenever we talk about toughness in this Bulls team, some people shy away from that conversation. Just listen to the coach. The coach has been commenting on this team's toughness for the last two years. So I think the test versus Milwaukee will be another question of toughness. You know, if you're going to get beat, how will you get beat? And especially after the effort you gave against the Boston Celtics, this team, this team needs to understand the energy and the effort. Those aren't negotiable. You know, health and turnovers and all those other things, those things happen. But not playing hard is something that you, one, you've already, it's like a get-out-of-jail-free card. You've already cashed that bitch in the first 15 games of the season. It cannot come up again until game 55, 60, when people can start talking about tired legs. So they've already painted themselves in that corner. And when you do that, and then you look at this stretch that they've got coming up, a six-game road trip after the Celtics, I mean, I'm sorry, after the Bucks game, yeah, we're going to find out a lot about this Bulls team. We're going to find out how much they like their coach. We're going to find out how much they like their coach's coaching. And we're going to find out how much they like each other. Because I feel like this team will hit some adversity during this road trip, and I feel it will happen offensively. And this team has not had that kind of spotlight put on their adversity. They've had spotlight put on their injuries and that adversity that comes with it. But the adversity of playing together and understanding what they need to do to win basketball games hasn't really, you know, the, the light hasn't really been shown upon it over the last year and a half. Well, it's getting ready to happen here on this road trip. So looking forward to seeing how they bounce back against the Bucks, And then when they get on this road trip, what will have to be emphasized after a couple of games into it. It's the full go, and speaking of Bulls, Bucks, I got a same game parlay for all y'all out there. I think this is going to be a tough one. It's at Milwaukee. It's been a house of horrors for the Chicago Bulls over the last few years. And Giannis Antetokounmpo is in a bad mood. Right now on FanDuel Sportsbook, the Bucks are seven and a half point favorites. I got the same game parlay, all three legs going in favor of the Bucks. I got minus seven and a half for the Bucks. I got minus 310 on the money line because I think they're going to win the game. And I got the under in this game. It's 218 and a half. I think both teams will play decent enough defense. I think after the effort that you saw against the Boston Celtics, I think the Bulls' defense is in better tune than the Bulls' offense. So I think they'll hold the Bucks to a decent number. I just think they'll have trouble scoring against the length of the Milwaukee Bucks. So once again, my three-leg same-game parlay for Bucks-Bulls is Bucks with the number or minus the number, I should say, minus seven and a half. I got the Bucks winning it outright on the money line, minus 310. And I got the under for this one, under 218 and a half. The full goal with Jason Goff. That's all the time we have for episode 178 of the Full Go Podcast. I want to thank our guest, Josh Schrock from NBCSportsChicago.com. He covers the Bears like a blanket. Make sure you check out all of his content there. He's one of the teammates, one of the homies. Appreciate you, Josh. I want to thank our production staff, as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the active Jesse Lopez playing Hurt, and my main man, Tony Gill. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff. Thanking you so much for downloading this thing, subscribing to it. Uh, rating and reviewing it, uh, sharing it with your family and friends. You, we know you do it, and we we love you for it. We appreciate you so much. Uh, as always, make sure you are hitting up our voicemail line. We got a few voicemails about the Bulls and about the Bears. We'll probably roll those out somewhere here uh, during the break. Maybe, maybe not. 773-359-3103 is the voicemail line. Make sure you keep that in tow. Make sure you keep that in tow for your holiday break as well. 
If you got any holiday stories that you need to tell us, or you just got to get something off your chest about your, you know, your auntie's terrible potato salad or whoever's making the turkey this year, if you don't trust them or you don't trust their kitchen, you can leave a voicemail with us. I mean, some of your holiday stories going wrong, whatever the case may be. 773-359-3103 is the voicemail line. Make sure you keep that as always. And like we always tell you here, it's going to be the holiday season. Right. So you got to take care of each other and be safe. But make sure you enjoy these holidays with people because you never know if it's going to be your last time hanging out with these people. I know you get forced to be put in one room for a few hours with people you haven't seen all year long. Try to enjoy it. Right. Try to enjoy it responsibly. Uh, try to make sure that all firearms are locked up and, and and put away responsibly as well, because, you know, those spades games can get a little interactive. So make sure you guys are out there hanging out and enjoying your time with your people, especially over these last couple of years where uh, we've either not been able to celebrate holidays or be around each other in mass. I know COVID is still going on out there for people who act like it's not, but try to enjoy your family and friends this holiday season. And we will talk to you on Sunday's pod. So for the fellas and for our guest, Josh I'm Jason Goff. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. As always, like I said, take care of each other and be safe. We'll talk to you on Sunday.